back with a bang. It's the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. And you better believe we're back to talk MMA. Your boy BC, all kinds of fired up after one heck of a loaded weekend. Look, guys, there's ebbs, there's flows. Right now, we on fire in the sport of mixed martial arts from UFC to Bellator to PFL and beyond. Wow. I back. Trust me. I back. Well, well, Ando, we back. I don't know about you anymore, brother. I don't think you're coming back anytime soon. We'll get to the spider later. But it is the Brian Campbell invading your eardrums. Filling that syringe till it's runneth over, guys. Building for the injection of that performance, enhancing audio. Yeah, yeah, okay, thank you. Get the heck fired up, and please, if you like this show, do us that solid or that five star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Tinder, J Date, wherever you are listening to this show. We appreciate it. Send your love forward to us. All right, and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It's your boy, BC. We're going to recap all things wild card 237 UFC. Wow. Slams. Let the girls be girls. We got it all this week. A little Bellator. What a, how about the knockouts in Bellator 221 this week? We'll get to that while spinning it forward, of course, to UFC Rochester and an interesting welterweight duel coming your way. No Mikey Mormile on the ones and twos producing this week, but you better believe I'm ready to face the pain with my co-hosts, all six, nine of them. <laughs> Oh, yeah. From West Boca with love. No, North Boca, the ghetto of Boca. It's Brandon Wise. BC, I might be very warm today in here. It's a little hot. The AC has died in our podcast room. Yes. So if you start hearing me panting like a dog, just give me a minute to cool down, all right? Wow. What kind of smells you got going in there? It is a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Not that kind of aroma. All right. Hey, be wise. Um, dude, I got to give you credit. We are, you and I are angling. We're building towards something. The sparring match of the century at an undisclosed date, at an undisclosed location. The only thing in solid in stone is producer Mikey Mormile will be the referee. But I'm telling you, you're outpacing the field right now. You're getting into too good of shape. While Wash BC, your boy, is traveling too much. Look, I have not begun to get serious. But I think you might, you might, you might shoot your wad. You might, you might have. To, we got to get Load Watch 2019 involved for anybody that listens to the boxing podcast. Just be careful, all right. Don't peak too early. How can I peak too early? You're you still haven't started. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I actually do. I've got one. Um, yeah, right, Brock. All right. Um, I'm going to start though. I'm going to turn it on and I'm going to start it and you're going to be, you're going to be sorry. All right. No more jokes. No more pills. No more dick pills. No, no, no more of those. But, uh, once I see, that's the thing. Once I start, I can't stop the, I'm going to get addicted. I'm going to get fit. All right. It's going to happen. All right. We'll see. I'm under 240 for the first time in like two years. So. If you come up to if you're starting to come up to that number, I mean, I'm a little worried for you. All right. All right. Well, look, wise man, a couple a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, You know, it is a big week for MMA. Hey, I heard it's a big week for golf. Aren't you into that stuff, too? I heard it was a big week for golf as well. I know we have plenty of fights to talk about. 
It's also a big week for golf, Brando. I know you are big on that. I know some of our listeners as well are. Hey, SOC golf fans. Yes, PGA Championship week is upon us. I know you know that. It's here, right here, right now. But did you know that CBS Sports is giving you tons of ways to follow all of the action from golf's second major championship of the year? You can watch tournament live stream on Saturday and Sunday on the CBS Sports mobile app and on CBSSports.com totally for free. No subscription fees, no cable packages, but we don't stop right there. We've also got CBS Sports HQ, your streaming sports network that is on 24 hours a day, seven days a week to bring you news, highlights, and in-depth analysis. You can check out your boy BC breaking down fights on there all the time, and our experts will also give you insider info to help you set your fantasy lineups and place winning bets, and we do it all without any of the yelling or the fake debates. It's the perfect network for fans who want their sports coverage without delving into politics or other off-the-field topics. And guess what? It's free! During the PGA Championship, CBS Sports HQ will have highlights of the action, and our golf analyst Kyle Porter will provide analysis on-site from Beth Page Black throughout the week. Will Tiger win another major and pull even closer to the Golden Bears record? Will Brooks Kapka, am I pronouncing that right? Brooks Kapka, Kupka, capture his second straight PGA Championship title? Only Lord knows, right? Will Ricky Fowler finally win his first major? I may not always pronounce the golf names correctly, but I know I can guarantee you can follow all of the action for the PGA Championship with CBS Sports. Download the CBS Sports app today on your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, or Apple TV to start watching. Tell them BC sent you. Uh, you ever hear of this website that we put out there called Sportsline.com? I want to tell you people out there, we talked about it ahead of the big Kentucky Derby fiasco. Wow, was that out of control with our boy Hammer and Hank? That's where the picks are. That's where the advice is. That's where the analysis is. That's where it is, guys. Let me tell you about the sports line model, right? It has nailed the four majors in golf entering the weekend. It was also all over Tiger Woods' deep run. Deep. Not that deep run. We're talking about post-divorce. His deep run at last year's PGA Championship, even though he was just a 25-to-1 long shot coming in. Here's what I want you to do. Stay to combat listeners. Visit sportsline.com. Click on PGA Championship to see our picks for this year's major. It starts on Thursday, this week, May 16th. Use the promo code SWING. SWING, right, Wayne's World? SWING to get your first month of picks for only $1. Hey, tell them Brandon Wise sent you. Wise, who's going to win the PGA Championship? Is this a Tiger event? All right, so the last time we did this, I said Tiger had no chance at winning the Masters. Yes. And I should probably not say that again, right? Didn't you say uh, Jessica Andrade has no chance of winning the UFC st- Women's Strawweight Championship, too? All right, that's not true. I said that she could win. I just didn't think she right, would. Right. Who do you and... got? Uh, Fred Funk? Uh, Vijay Singh <laughs> t- still taking roids? Who's the new Asian guy they show that's always smoking cigarettes? That guy's the best. Oh, that's a Karechi... <laughs> they call it the, his nickname is Barn Rat because nobody can pronounce his last uh, name. Yeah, he's like the Tamden McCrory of uh, of golf. That's great. There's a throw. Well, he's kind of like John Daly. Yeah, closer to that. Yes. All right. I was thinking of the Barn Cat, your boy, that that white trash guy, Tamden McCrory. All right, wise. Uh, yeah, that'll be it. That's golf. Enjoy it. Whatever, whatever you do there, um, dude. I am so freaking fired the heck up about MMA. How about this weekend in general from combat sports? Tell me, Wise. All right? Or no, tell the people. You had like a mini meltdown. We had boxing on Fox, fight of the year, Jared Hurd, Julian Williams, basically. 
a loaded, action-packed, violent, all-Mexico type of doubleheader boxing on ESPN. And then you had UFC 237 from Rio going up against Bellator 221, which was a loaded zone card filled with potential knockouts and fights you had to see. My head was spinning, bro. You talk about crossing the streams. I had as many screens open as I possibly could. You enjoy that? I was high off that stuff. It was like those days. It's like the NFL. Like, it's one of those days where you need a red zone channel to bounce between the different fights and all the different action going on because there's just too much. Like, I love that we have that kind of weekend after having kind of slow weekends before that. But good Lord, there was just so much going on that you don't know where you're supposed to be watching. I only have the one TV in the living room and then my (laughs) computer. So it's like, oh, something's happening over there. Got to change the channel really quick. I I was on the verge of a meltdown because I was like, <laughs> everybody's like, guys, we need to write about this. We need to write about that. It was like was the perfect storm. No NBA, yeah. right? It was like the perfect storm where people suddenly were like focused on fights and caring about it. And uh, it was wild. I love that. I, it's like, I hate that. I hate when people cross promote. I hate when there's a giant boxing one and a giant UFC on the same night, which happens sometimes. I hate when Bellator and UFC go head to head. But at the same time, there's something about being in the midst of that. It's just like it's coming from all directions and I'm here for it, bro. Yeah, it's just it's being comfortable inside the fire, right? It's like you just have to be you have to know what you're getting into and then realize, okay, this is going to suck for like two hours, but it's still going to be awesome because you might see some crazy thing that you've never seen before. Oh, and not just that. And they'll drop kind of did. And then they'll drop breaking news on you in the moment. We'll get into it later. But it's like, oh, in boxing, Manny Pacquiao's back to face Keith Thurman. What? And then it's like, oh, wait, Nate Diaz is back. What is happening right now? Wow. All right. Let's break it down from this past weekend. Let's get into it. Let's let's do it, man. And also, please, as, as a reminder, we, 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 we got to start building the culture around here, right? If you listen to the wrestling podcast, if you listen to the boxing podcast under the state of combat flag, you know that this show for the people, by the people. We want to hear from you, not just your five-star reviews. How about you slide in some DMs? Look, DM season is open. Hit me up at B Campbell CBS. No stick picks is still our working rule here, but anything else goes in there. Be wise. You, you, you open the DMs or no? The Silver King on the wrestling show will not open his DMs to the public. I think that's sort of a, sort of a, a representation of his real feelings for our listeners, but that's another topic. Is your DMs open or no? Is that a thing that I have to like make a setting for yeah, on Twitter? You have to cause... make them non-private, where people can just slide right in if they want to. Okay, I, I'll have to look at that because right, I honestly didn't know that was a thing. I'm sorry, you're the you're the old one here, and I'm the young one, and I didn't know how settings on Twitter work. Send your DMs, send them us to us at Twitter as well, also at State of Combat. Oh God, State of Combat on Twitter. We want to hear your jokes, your questions, your comments, your analysis. Your urinalysis, whatever you got for us, we will take it. All fluids accepted. Thank you very much. And we did get a little bit of a uh, DM slide here from Doris Shut at the False Hope. I think that's a woman. That can't be a woman. Doris Shut. No, that's my guy. Okay. That's my guy. He says, so did the fights on Saturday night leave you guys with phoners or what? Wow. Wise. Wow. Of course, that's a reference to Jake Hager's weird interview. Can we just jump the gun and get right into this? This was the weirdest moment of the weekend. It came from the Bellator 221 card. Jake Hager, a.k.a. former WWE wrestler, Jack Swagger, fighting some pile of meat that they got. TJ Jones was the guy's name, right? Yeah. They get this pile of meat, TJ Jones, in there. 
Jake Hager beats him. We can get to the analysis if there is any later. But this post-fight interview with John McCarthy on zone, good Lord. You know what? I'm rock hard right now with emotion. I got a phoner. Wait, wait, what? The phone's ringing? You got somebody waiting for you on the <laughs> other line? He went on to tweet, I'm still rock hard a day later. Not sure how I'm going to get this hashtag phoner, F-O-N-E-R, through airport security. Wise, I know we've got to break down the slam heard around the world from Andrade. we got real and technical analysis to give to people. But we also got to get through the ridiculousness of this sport. Um, What the hell is Jake Hager talking about? I don't know. There was no context given to what he's talking about with a phoner. So is that like instead of saying boner <laughs> like I, like look, I, I get some jokes some work for me not all the joke works i could be fat i could not have a six-pack but my dick works yeah well i mean is that what he's going is that where he's going but like was he not allowed to say that on the zone who's not like a tv like regular tv problem I, yeah, i'm so confused by his word bad. choice but to his credit at least he did kind of embrace the heel moment there because he was kind of a jerk. Yes, he was. A lot more to come on that. We're going to start off at the top, though. I think the biggest splash of this weekend was UFC 237 from Rio. Not to underplay what turned out to be a very exciting Bellator card. Wise, you got to start at the top. The biggest story, not uh, uh, J- Jack Swagger's uh, uh, pants inflation. We're talking about that slam I mentioned. Jessica Andrade, good Lord. Wow. She she basically lost almost every second of the of, a, of the first round and a half against entering defending strawweight champion Rose Namajunas, but goes for a third slam attempt. The first two that happened in the first round, Rose was able to do a combination of tucking her chin and applying a Kimura lock to sort of lessen the potential power of a slam and turn it into a submission attempt. This time, though, she kept the. Uh, the chin exposed and got slammed on top of her head on the back of her neck as gruesome and violent as you can imagine. But more importantly, Brandon, a kind of finish you just don't see anymore. And you certainly don't see it on the elite level. You may see it when TJ Jones goes back to the meat factory after the Hager fight and his boys mess around there. You may see it at cage warriors galactic and some uh reservation in arizona you don't see that on the ufc title level i mean it's shades of uh rampage jackson back in the day or 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 fedor getting thrown on his head holy crap and it's just this whole thing about jessica andrade you can count her out she may lose all five rounds against Iwana, but she's not gonna stop trying to break you and destroy you good god was that a moment was I couldn't believe what, like, there are moments in UFC where I get up screaming just because I'm like, oh my lord, like, I don't, I couldn't believe, like, a result that it just surprises you. But a moment like that, where Yo, Yoana, Rose is winning that fight. Like, she's doing all the right things that you want to see her do in that bout. And then all of a sudden, she's unconscious because her neck almost got snapped being slammed to the canvas. Like, I sat there for two minutes just with my jaw dropped. I couldn't believe it. And thank God she's okay. But that was probably what why my jaw was dropped most time because it was one of those moments where you're like, oh my God, is she dead? 
you know, like it, it was, I, it, it was so scary. Yeah, it was, it was, I equiv- I make it equivalent to when Manny Pacquiao got knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez and there were 55 seconds before they got the smelling salts and he came to, and it was such a vicious shot that tell me if I'm wrong. You remember that fight, right? December, 2012. You're like, is, is he dead? Like, is he, is, did he just die? Like what the heck just happened? Lucky for her, she didn't get paralyzed because there was a little bit of Twitter aftermath after this where it's like, look, it's not that we haven't seen this before, but it's like I mentioned, we haven't seen it in a while. It almost kind of goes back to not the barbaric UFC days of the bare knuckles in the 90s, but sort of that in-between period in the early to mid-2000s when wrestlers had taken over the sport and it just sort of became a thing that would happen. I don't know why we don't see it. I mean, you see it a little bit today. You see attempted slams. You see strong guys pick people up. Or if somebody's trying to do the Damian Maya backpack submission, you might try to slam them to get them off you. But you don't see it like this. So to see something this violent-wise, there's some talk that maybe it should be outlawed. That maybe this is something that isn't necessary, that can cause absurd long-term injury, could straight-up paralyze or kill somebody. I mean... I don't want to act crazy, but had that happened to Rosnama Yunus here, they'd probably change the rule tomorrow, right? Uh, I don't think so. Because what what's the rule that you're going to change, right? It's like you can make adjustments to the sport, but at the end of the day, this is mixed martial arts, and part of the sport is wrestling. And Maybe, sorry, maybe the rule is you can't slam them on their head. Maybe that's the rule. It's just like, well, I know I can do a lot of things to you, but I can't knee you when you're down, and I can't do an odd 12 to 6 elbow. But what? Okay, so if if the rules were changed today, then what's what are you suggesting to Jessica to do differently? In that in that specific scenario where Rose has her arm held yes. and she's trying to lock in a submission while she's being lifted off the ground, which she did earlier in the fight, but she survived and was able to let go and landed on her back. This time, she held the arm too long and didn't give herself a chance to roll back and fall. So I'm not, I'm not advocating here for to ban it, straight up. I'm, no, I'm, I'm having a discussion here. I'm saying there's a difference between there's somebody on my back or there's somebody that I'm strong enough to lift up and they're on my back. There's a difference between dropping them and trying to spike that. And I'm not saying, again, that Andrade had this type of intention either. I mean, of course, by picking her up to slam her, she's trying to knock her out. But there's a difference between what you can do you can pile drive somebody. You can straight up take their head and drive it into the ground. Wise, uh, maybe removing that as a as a legal intention. I don't know. It could prevent because I've said it from the beginning. I love this sport. This sport's on regular TV sometimes, right? It's got just got an ESPN contract. It's amazing to consider what it was like in the beginning. Yet at the same time, a death is going to happen. It happens in boxing way too often. A death in the ring, right? Too many head, tra- too much head trauma out of nowhere. You're like, oh my god, that guy was only 28. What the heck happened? Who could have saw that coming? It's going to happen one of these days. Somebody's going to lose an eyeball on live TV or something, and maybe there's just ways to prevent that. I don't know. Slams are exciting as heck, especially when people survive them. This was over like that. I'm so glad Rose is fine. Wow. I'm just saying, somebody's one of these days not getting up. Well, it's just like they. We do see this though in MMA. It's just not where you have somebody on your shoulders and are then doing like almost a John Cena move where you're throwing them down like that. Like I, I remember a few weeks ago we saw the a version of what a German suplex is where a guy is trying to throw somebody over his shoulder <laughs> and he's hitting his head. So it's to me 
it's like, what do you want them to do in that situation? Are they not allowed to be lifted off the ground anymore? Because that would, to me, that's the only way you get rid of something like that. Yeah. You know? And look, it's any to, any of these modifications, I'm sorry, any of these modifications are going to lead to a sport that isn't that sport anymore. And that's the fear. So then that fear in boxing, we say it all the time, is how are you going to limit concussions? You can't limit concussions when people are punching each other in the head. I don't care. Like anything you do, it won't be boxing anymore. But look, NFL looks a lot different these days with all these past, you know, records being shattered for passing yards than when we were kids. Is that better for the health of the people? Yes, it's a different game, though. NBA even, it's a different game. You don't want to evolve too much out of what this is, which is a fight, and you're trying to separate the other person from consciousness. But you can't lie, though, Wise. There was a moment there when Rose got slammed that you're like, oh, 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 like, God, I hope she's she's going to breathe. I like, I God, I hope she can get up. God, I hope that everything's okay because, damn, that's violent. Yeah, that was 100%. I, again, I don't think I was expecting that. Like, we talked about the fight before, and of course, like I said, I picked Rose to win by Matador, you know, like just picking her apart from the outside with her quickness, and she was doing that for a round and a half. You said that you want, you expected Jessica to go in there and bulldog and knock her out. Eventually, you didn't yeah. Right, but you didn't expect her to be slammed on her head, you know? So it was, I think it was just a culmination of like everything hitting together at one time where you're just like, what <laughs> yeah she did what <laughs> and you mentioned rose controlling her dude she they said this on the broadcast and it's right especially that first round put that in a vault that's the best rose could ever we could ever have looked in terms of the full evolution of her game from the submission attempts off of those first two slam attempts to the brilliant footwork boxing stiff and long jabs you forget how big she is for this division in terms of length Ah, uh, the combinations, the the chin, even because you got to give on Josh credit. She was getting outclassed, but just like against Young Jacek, she's landing big bombs. She's always seemingly one or two punches away from being right back into this fight. And yet, Rose, I mean, her evolution. This was not the same fighter that lost to Carolina at UFC two hundred one three years ago. I was cage side for that fight. Rose looked good, but she still really hadn't figured out offensively how to be anything but a highlight real submission expert. She's just just really learning how to control distance, use her jab. And then we saw the evolution in the first Joanna fight. And in the second one, you're like, wow, she's a really good boxer now. Dude, the footwork she showed on Saturday night under, you know, Trevor Whitman, her striking coach, is just remarkable. She looked insanely good. She looked so good that I felt bad about picking Andrade by knockout at the end of that first round, almost like I was way off and certainly thought, wow, the even the betting odds were off. And wow, who am I to sort of say, hey, Rose, I know you're trying to dare me to be great. I know you purposely wanted to fight in Jessica's backyard of Brazil. And you have this theory that it's going to make you a better fighter because the the, you know, the danger will be high, higher than normal, so it'll bring a heightened sense of, of ability out of you. And I know, you know, people on the broadcast have sort of said, look, with some of your mental health challenges through the years, maybe it's just better to have more chaos around so you can just focus on the fight. All that, at the end of that first round, Brandon, I was like, she's amazing. <laughs> this is, amazing. This is um, arguably the pound for pound best woman in the world. Like, this is a great. So to have those swings of emotions to go to from that point to the slam was certainly alarming, but there was a couple moments before the slam. Tell me if I'm wrong. I started to saw Rose, justifiably so, start to fatigue, start to slow down a bit. And for the first time, I stopped and said to myself, like, 
what happens when we do get in the fourth round? Like, is my Andrade fourth round knockout pick going to hold up? Because she's not going to stop coming, and it takes a lot of mental stress and a lot of stamina to be able to olay her and do the bullfighting thing that you mentioned. I'm wondering now, if that slam hadn't happened, were we heading toward an Andrade stoppage of some point? Did you see anything like I saw in round two? The thing I saw was her backpedaling with her hands down, which scared the crap out of me because I was like, I've only seen, I don't know, 20 people this year alone lose by doing something like that. So I was just kind of like, oh, my God, please pick up your hands or just side shuffle do something besides backing up with your hands down. Because like you just said, I think you're right that she was probably a little fatigued at that point. But I don't know that it was going to be a oh, no, if we get to a fourth round, like how much stamina is she going to have? Because she went through this before with Joanna, right? I mean, she went through five rounds of hell in that fight with her in 2018. And she looked as good then as she did on Saturday night. She had the stamina. She had the durability. I think you might be right. Just because maybe Jessica hits a little bit harder than Joanna does. A little bit? and, and (laughs) And the pressure that she was applying was just, 10 times more than what Joanna gives you. So maybe, but I still lean on the side that she was going to still have the stamina. She would have, she would have rebounded if that slam doesn't knock her out. And I think that we might be talking about a different fight altogether. If, if she just lets go of the arm, like you mentioned Trevor Whitman, I said on Saturday, that dude is a God because he has just evolutionized all of these amazing strikers now where you're just like, how does how does he do it? How does he develop somebody like that who wasn't known for her striking game at all and just make her an incredible boxer and kickboxer? Like we know that he's like got his favorite son and Justin Gaethje who actually helped spar with Rose before this fight. 40 minutes sparring they had and she was crying afterwards. You hear all that? I didn't know about that, but I knew that they did spar and it was intense. But I just I I, I really hope that if Rose does come back, she does figure out something else with her wrestling game because DC said it on the broadcast. That's something simple that you learn early on to let go in that kind of situation. Don't hold on. So it's, it's one of those weird scenarios where given what she said after the fight, did she want to go out like that? Well, let's, let's get right into that post fight interview with John Anik, who, by the way, I love me some John Anik. You better believe that. Oh, yeah, um, shout out to MMA Live back in the day there. And that fan uh, provided theme song right there. Anik is the man. I didn't love that post-fight interview, though, because it's always iffy to interview anyone in combat sports after they've been concussed. We've seen it a million times. You remember Juan Manuel Lopez? Remember Juan Ma in that rematch with Orlando Salido? You remember? You know, you know the fight I'm talking about? They had that slugfest on Showtime a few years ago. Brandon, do you know no. where I'm going with this or no? No. 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 That's my way of trying to. Uh, <laughs> uh, as you look for it. As I look for the sound drop that I have here. Anyway, uh, not going to be able to find the sound drop on this loaded board. Anyway, Juan Ma loses, gets knocked out hellacious fight of the year contender and afterwards he tells the uh announcer through the translator yeah uh, i only lost because the referee uh is a noted gambler who bets on fights and that's that's why i uh i lost the fight people are like dude you got knocked out like what are you talking about <laughs> anyway um 
Anna talks to very briefly to Rose, and she seemed really with it in her initial answer. Very coherent. She blew off whatever question he asked and just thanked Brazil for uh, all the moms and daughters she saw around during the week and all the support and the love in the air, which is fine. And then she mentioned, I feel like a lot of pressure has been taken off my shoulders. And Anik, now I've been in these spots before. I've interviewed people in the ring afterwards. There's a producer in your ear. You have time cues. Sometimes they just go wrap it for whatever reason. Very well, there could have been someone in John Anik's ear going, look, dude, she's she's just got knocked out. Wrap this thing. We got to wrap up the broadcast now or not. Or maybe he blew it in the moment. But I don't know how you did not go back to the well, Brandon, when she drops a nugget like that, a nugget that exposes sort of the comment she ended up making at the presser afterwards, which is, I don't know if I'm going to fight anymore. I had some doubts coming in. There were members of the broadcast team that that revealed during interviews done where she was kind of talking about uh, maybe this would be her last fight, which is something they certainly didn't publicize on the air, maybe for strategic reasons, but... This was all like, whoa. And then Bruno Komodo, who spent time with her in camp uh, near her home in Colorado, was like, she's already talking about buying a farm and kind of pulling a Rousey and just, you know, fading away into a, into oblivion. Um, crazy news here, considering somebody who's just turned 27 is pound for pound one of the best, is just turning into the best version of what, what we thought initially she might be able to be when she initially fought for the strawweight title in the inaugural 2014 tough finale in December. And to see her now questioning, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm being cynical or tell me if I'm crazy here. These bring her comments to a larger light ahead of the fight. The comments where she said, all that stuff I talked about, I turned down a shot to face Andrade in, in March in Las Vegas. I want a fighter in her backyard. Brandon, when you hear there's a lot of pressure taken off my shoulders, is it as simple as being a champion is more stressful than being a challenger? Or are you feeling what I'm feeling, that this was somebody who almost entered this fight okay with the idea that she was giving the belt back? I think that, like, it's so tough, you know, just because we aren't aren't in camp with these people and we don't know what they're dealing with day to day in their lives. And... It's just always a tough ask because we know that Rose has a has a really pretty dark past, you know, and she's been dealing with a lot of mental health issues in her life. Obviously, we don't know what the extent of that is now, but I think I kind of lean towards this was all set up for her to go away. She like she kept saying throughout, nobody goes to Brazil as a champion to to fight a hometown fighter or a Brazilian fighter. You don't do that. And to put all those dots together, it kind of adds up. Like, why would she have accepted that challenge to go to Brazil and take on somebody that tough in front of a bunch of Brazilian fans? You know, unless it was to set up a, I'm I'm walking out of here and I know what I've done in my career. I'm happy with it. I'm at peace with it. I'm ready for a new challenge. It's I'm okay with that. I'm okay with all of that because she's not a normal fighter. That's the thing. Like we've always known that about her. She has just a different mind and a different outlook on life. And if this is it for her, I'm happy that she's happy with it. That's the best way I can put it. Here's an interesting thing she said afterwards about, you know, the stress of being a champion, which was, look, we've heard this before. It's, I mean, 
heavy is the is the crown, right? Like we've heard this before that it was it was one of the reasons why GSP stepped away after the Johnny Hendricks win. The stress that comes in with being the champion and having to game plan, knowing the best fighters are getting in line one after another to take this away from you. And just the fear that comes with that, the the pressure, the anxiety, all that's legit straight up, okay? But when we think of fighters, tell me if I'm going way off the, the, the rails here on a gender thing, but when we think of fighters, a lot of times we think of Clay Guidas. We think of these cavemen with long hair, and we're like, well, look, these guys would be in jail if they weren't fighting anyway. These guys are cavemen. They just love violence. Like, it's sort of, we, we build this stereotype that, like, whether in the cage or in real life, these guys are just crazy anyway. They do things we wouldn't do, so who cares? When in the reality is, especially for somebody like Rose, who's this, like, petite, cute woman, like, y- you got to turn that off when you go home, and it's not as easy to do, right? You can't just turn off, i got to be a warrior and, and a killer, and then i got to be a regular person. So she basically came out and said after this fight that there was a stress on her relationship with Pat Berry, her, one of her coaches in, in former UFC heavyweight, her fiancé, because of fighting and because of, look, your entire life is focused toward building toward a fight, right? Getting through with injuries for her over the past year plus, getting into training camp, building toward a fight. I, obviously, that must be doubled down when your significant other is your coach, but she's probably just thinking like, I like this as a sport and I'm really great at it. You got to either be all in every ounce of you or or you can't be as great as you can be. And some people just don't want to be all in, Brandon. Like we're not all Kobe Bryant's and you want and people praise him as just an example of a super elite athlete who was consumed by it and lived it. And every second of every day, it was all about, you know, all that. And for some people, that's how you got to be to get to the top. But we're, not all of these athletes are cavemen. These are regular people. And I also try to take into account from a gender thing of something like Joanna Young-Jacek said at the end of her reign is like she was always seemingly referencing retirement. And it was always of the idea that like, look, I turned 30. I want to have children. Cutting weight is not necessarily healthy on my body to do over a long period of time. Uh, you know, I wouldn't begrudge even Ronda Rousey, who who gets much maligned for certain reasons, rightfully so in ca- some cases, for just getting to a point where they're like, I did it. I was great at it, but it's over. I don't want to be doing this till I'm 40. It's not healthy for me to be doing this until I'm 40. So if it's simply that, Brandon, I mean, who are we to judge anyone in that regard? But I guess with Rose's, Rose being honest about her mental health history, mentioning her father uh, you know, passed away and had a long battle with schizophrenia and wasn't in her life, and her mention that there's tears every day in training camp. And it just comes with this game. And it's something she's just accepted. Maybe it seemed to be a little bit harder for her than some other people to weather this. And I'm not saying that from a, oh, she's mentally weaker. Because I just outlined to you, it's got to be hard for anybody to be a professional fighter and sort of deal with the mental stress that comes with this. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to fighters at all, like none of them are normal or what we would consider normal. They're just it's like any elite athlete, you know, like you want to have balance in your life. You're not complete unless you have balance where you're focused on one thing for a certain amount of time, but then you're like, all right, now it's family time or now it's friends time. You know, these guys are so lopsided to the point where it's 80 or 90% of their day is either fighting, thinking about fighting, eating for fighting. You know, it's, it's all about 
a fight or getting ready for it that you don't allow yourself the time to be okay with, hey, I want to go hang out with my wife tonight or my my husband tonight. I want to be able to just not think about this stuff, you know? And those stresses that you're talking about, like with her and, and Pat Barry, like I totally get it. Like how can you have a normal relationship when when both of you are basically coworkers, you know? That's that's got to be so hard to keep like a normal relationship. So I I hope for her that she gets the help that she needs and that they figure out what's next for her because I I just don't I don't need to see her again, you know? Like I would love to see her fight again. I would love to see her get a rematch or fight another against JJ again, but I'm okay with it. You know, I'm okay with not seeing her fight again if that's what she really wants. And it's not, and it's weird. It's like when we see this translated to us through females, through Ronda Rousey, the highs of being a champion to being the darkest lows after one loss where she's contemplating suicide and suddenly we go, oh, well, Rousey's just weak. And maybe there's some people watching this going, oh, well, uh, Rose is just weak. Well, that's certainly not the case, but maybe it takes seeing it through the lens of a female for some people to realize that all fighters go through this and that there's a large emotional toll to, to take on here in this regard of this. And, and not everybody has it to be able to hold that together and have a 15 year career and, and hold up physically and hold up mentally. And if you said you may not need to see her again, if she can't come back and be herself and have the fire, it's the same debate with Rory McDonald and Bellator. It's, it's don't come back because a half hearted version yourself is going to look like Ronda Rousey did against Amanda Nunez, where you're like, well, I, I got to come back, right? I got to try to prove that this was a glitch in the system. Look, for whatever, uh, Ronda Rousey, it just ended. It ended. The soul was, the ghost was taken by Holly Holm. It happened that night, and it was over. Not the first male or female ath- combat athlete we've seen that happen to. You take a loss, your first loss, the invincibility's gone, and it's over. The heart, the everything that made you what you were is gone. This may have happened here for Rose, and, and when we dig deeper in it, it seems like she knew it ahead of time. Like, like, okay, if I go all in here, I can, I can build back up this, this, this machine, this warrior, to be what it needs to be. And for a round and a half, it was what it needs to be. But it seems like she knew better than we did that this wasn't going to last. And it's, 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 it's crazy to have this discussion, Brandon, because this is something that seems so foreign to mixed martial arts coverage. Not just that it's 2019 and we're a little bit more woke to things like mental health and. I know there's people that say we're a softer society. I think we, we actually dig deeper in our feelings and certainly our, our parents and grandparents generations did, but like, this is not something you normally talk about in fight in the fight game. It's like you fight until you physically can't do it anymore. And that's just what it is. Well, it's just like, if you take it to the opposite side of this, of the coin though, look at the emotion that we saw from Jessica Andrade and her, and her coach, you know, 10 years of them working towards this goal where she just, she just let it all out. Like she broke down in the ring talking about how important that man was to her and how she wouldn't be here today without him. And he, he couldn't keep it together that either. You know, moment. it's, it was just crazy to think if you look at both sides of the coin, there's always going to be sadness from one side because somebody has to lose, but you can also look at, look at how much she worked to get to that point. And now Jessica has the most wins ever by a woman in UFC. I, that stat came out of nowhere, right? Right. And, like, we, and she has a great story. And I hope that Jessica's story gets from winning the championship here, gets the exposure it needs, because the story is, I mean, we, we remember her as a, as a 
average to above average bantamweight, but she was small. She was aggressive, but she lost to people that nowadays, if you think about it, you're like, wow, she lost to her, but it was at 135. Then she cuts 20 pounds. There was no flyweight division back then, a few years back, and becomes this force and gets to the title level against Joanna and loses badly, but shows you, man, she's tough and she doesn't quit. And then to, to come full circle and evolve the way she has through the three-fight win streak entering here, through the vicious knockout of Carolina. It's a badass woman. It was great to see that side of her, that emotional side. Man, there's nothing better than the fight game. When you get great fights with great stories and great people and everybody putting it on the line and not hiding who, they're, who they are, I mean, this is why we do it, Wise. I love this game. I will just say, though, thank God they gave us that moment because this card outside of that, we would have been in here trashing it, trashing it because of how bad it was. Yeah, it, it didn't play up to its potential. It had a lot of faded names we talked about, a lot of Brazilians who probably could be entering their final career fight. Uh, but uh, it it certainly wasn't. It's funny. I'm watching that card and covering it. I've got the Bellator stream on zone, and everything that's happened on Bellator is demanding my attention. Then those boxing fights start at the same time, and it's just sort of like, you're right, UFC sort of became something we're monitoring in the background, yet the foreground at the same time. And then we get that finish, and, and that main event was compelling, and the aftermath was, was crazy. So here is the aftermath. By the way, if Rose never fights again, she will have had one of the crazier careers. She's 8-4 and four as a professional. It wasn't that long ago, Brandon, where she was something like, what, uh, what was she like, uh, she, there was a point where she was like, why don't I just look it up rather than mumbling? She was like five and three, I was think. It that, was that the stat I'm looking for, where it was sort of like, she's fighting for a UFC title, and you're like, she's five and three. Now, not many people fight for a title in their UFC debut, special circumstance that they launched a new division, but wow, eight and four, yet there were pockets there where she was arguably the best in the world. She was, she got the win over, was it Waterson? And that's what got her the title shot against, uh, uh, yeah. She beat Michelle Waterson to get to six and three. She had just come off a loss to Carolina Cole Kiewicz by split decision in 2016 where she was five and three. But then she gets the win over Waterson and gets the title shot because Joanna at that point had basically cleaned out the division, right? So her career arc is just unbelievable, like you said. I mean... She starts in Invicta and then gets the first title shot at Ultimate Fighter against Carla Esparza. I mean, it's crazy. That's the first UFC card I ever attended in person and covered. Um, the Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, December 2014. Yeah. That's that. All right. Hey, uh, let's talk about where Jessica's going from here because guess who came out of hibernation after this victory immediately – after this victory. Hey, Brando, Boogie Woman coming. Boogie Woman is coming tomorrow, and she doesn't know what's coming. Uh, shout out to Joanna jo Young Jacek for sending a really nice tweet in the direction of Rose, like picking up her spirits. You know, they've had they've had their rivalry there. And then she puts out the picture of her basically kicking Andrade in the head with sort of a Boogie Woman, Boogie Woman is coming type caption. She's eyeing that title. She already beat Andrade. This is an opportunity to be rebirthed for Ioana. She wasn't going to get a trilogy against Rose. She went up and fought Valentina and it didn't work out. 
Suddenly, 115 is back for her after it was harder to make that weight, but she doesn't have the power for Elite 125. She seems to be be energized and have one more run in her for the title. This helped her chances considerably. Problem is, Andrade is so evolved that if they do this fight, man, this will be a, this will be interesting. This will be the bull in the matador. This will be one hell of a fight. Wow. How, how soon do we do this? Where, where do I sign up? I mean, like, I understand that the UFC does not care about our business or, like, really fight records anymore. But she's one in three in her last four fights, man. Like, that's that doesn't stop Holly to Holm, sell. by the way. Remember Holly Holm was getting title shots straight off of losses and she's back in another one coming up? Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think you could do this anywhere else in the world, but we do it here. Well, there is I another mean, boogie woman that is coming, and her name is Tatiana Suarez. So put on your put on your Joe Silva, Sean Shelby hat. This isn't this is this is a insanely exciting division. It's always been viciously deep, but for the first time, we're entering retread mode on a few of these, right? Like Carolina, Claudia, longtime names, longtime outs are still there. They piling up a couple losses. Andrade's champ, JJ's lingering. And Tatiana's coming. What do you do next, Brando? Well, you know who she's got, though. Tatiana's fighting Nina on UFC 238. That's right. And that's going to be an interesting fight. If she beats Nina there, I don't think she should go anywhere but a title shot. I mean, that's kind of what they pin like pin this as at this point, right? Is like a kind of a title eliminator where the winner is probably going to get a title shot with a win. But so, they like to sell things. And when you have a young Jacek in camp, ready to go, maybe a small window for all we know. I mean, who knows how much longer she's going to fight. You, you have the storyline of, of she already beat Jessica, and if she does again, good Lord, we have a trilogy coming at us. So let's just fantasy book this now. Let's let's put that Oh, wait, fight. we wouldn't have a fantasy. We wouldn't have a trilogy. What am I talking about? Yeah, 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 she would. So she, if yeah. she, well, if she loses, there's a potential, but if she loses, I don't know if they'd run that back. So really, it's one fight we're looking at. Well, let's let's just pin this together right let's put that jj andrage fight for ufc 240 which they announced as july 17th this year july that's, 17th that's two years that's two months away wait what night of the week is july 17th is that a thursday no that's a saturday i thought what you, pacquiao thurman was july 20th uh hmm, maybe you're right no i'm sorry july 27th 27th i'm sorry Smart, so smart move. Yeah. So let's put that fight, Joanna against uh, Andrade on that night, right? That gives the people, uh, Tatiana and Nina, time to get healthy. And let's just say Amanda Nunez beats Holly Holm at UFC 239. You then have the opportunity to book Nina, should she win, on the same night as Amanda. For her next fight, let's say in November. Are you trying like, to have Nina and Amanda meet in the middle at at uh, at uh, <laughs> no, flyweight for control of the bed? Is that where you're going with this right now? No, I'm saying to put the winner of Tatiana Nina against the winner of Joanna and Jessica as a title fight in November with Amanda Nunes if she beats Holly Holm versus maybe Chris Cyborg in a rematch as the headliner for the November card. That's, that's I can get behind bad. that. I can get behind that. 
gun to your head. What, what does UFC 240 look like? We don't have a venue. We don't have any fights announced. We have a lot to go over once we get to fight announcements later. I think it's going to end up being a throwaway pay-per-view, honestly, the way that everything's looking right now, which is kind of sad, but it's also like, why is UFC forcing a pay-per-view three weeks after UFC 239 and then three weeks before the one in Anaheim on August 17th, you know? Yeah, it's just this, really this, odd timing. This seems like an ESPN money TV decision more than anything else, but that's MMA in 2019. All right, let's get deep into this 237 card. And we have a DM slide from Adam X Parsons at the same name on Twitter. Uh, he's a big time fan of our wrestling show. He's in fact on our Mount Rushmore of listeners. He's also a professional comedian, I believe. So revisit his collaborations. But he says, BC, is it time? For legends like BJ Penn, Little Nog, Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, etc., to finally hang up the gloves and retire, especially what after what transpired Saturday night. Well, Adam X Parsons, thank you, brother, for listening to this show as well. Uh, Randall, that's going to be the theme as we run these as we run these fights down. Should the loser finish? Because uh, wow, it seemed like a it seemed like. Tribal council and survivor here as in each of these fights as like, yep, I'm down. Your, your tribe is spoken. Please don't ever fight again. Co-main event. We talked about how much this fight didn't make sense on paper coming in. And in the end, Jared Cannonier stops 44 year old Anderson Silva on a, is that an illegal kick? It's a kick to the inside of the right knee. Silva's leg buckled, fight instantly over. It wasn't as bad as the Chris Weidman situation. Silva was able to limp and stand up and put weight on it, but at 44, when he's rumored to be in contract negotiations to extend that contract to a new one, I don't know if we'll ever see him fight again. I don't know if we should, Brando. Like I said in the preview, he poured out the jug to survive against Adesanya. Yes, he was impressive. Yes, it was a, hey, you remember what that flavor, that's your favorite wine? Here's one more bottle, fans. Take a sip of it, okay? Andy, we love you, bro. We love you. I love you. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, man. I love you. It's time for you to go away. It's time. Cannoneer gets that win. Okay, big deal. He beat washed 44-year-old Silva. <laughs> UFC has already attempted to cash in on his legend to put Adesanya over, and it, and it, it kind of worked. Um, unless he's fighting GSP. We said it coming in. I don't need to see him again. This was worthless. You just injured a guy. You probably could have cashed out a few more times. Now, who knows if he's ever going to fight again? Do you, it's over. He had a great run. Stop it. His knee apparently popped in and out multiple times during training camp, according to Ariel Hawani. It's just like, I, why? Why are you putting your body through this when you've already got issues with your legs from the past? And you've always been you've you've your body's just giving up on you at this point, you know, like when somebody gets hurt like that, that instantly when it, and like you said, it didn't break his leg in half again, but his knee is clearly done like it's toast. The, the ligaments can't take this kind of damage anymore. His body is trying to tell him it's over with, man. And his brain keeps telling him, no, I got another fight. I can do it again. I can do it again. It's just frustrating because. Why would you go and try to get three more fights before this even happens when you've already got what six? What did he have a six fight deal? Yeah, it's remember when he signed that at like 38 or whatever, when we were like, oh, God, he'll never finish that deal. Well, yeah, he did. And he also failed two drug tests along the way. Um, Yeah, it's no, don't do it anymore. OK, it's over. Don't resign. Don't go to Bellator. Do not stop at go. 
nothing. You don't get $200. It's over. You had a great run. It's guys like him, guys like Roy Jones, guys who were so physically advanced of everyone else in terms of speed and reaction time. It becomes a detriment because they, when they get old and washy, they still have the speed and reaction time in some case, in a lot of cases, as long as their chin holds up for Roy Jones, it didn't hold up for Anderson. It is where you can linger because he can still have pockets of brilliance like he did against Bisping. Remember, he can still have these moments and survive against Adesanya, but inevitably it's going nowhere. So unless you do the South Florida route, which is Bellator, and unless you say, okay, I'm going to sign a fun three-fight deal. It's only going to be fun old guy fights. I'm not going to take it too seriously, and then it's over. You got to take the keys away from Grandpa because his health matters, and it's an addiction to these guys, and I get it. It's an addiction in all the combat sports. They can't get away from the bright lights, from the organization of a training camp, of building towards something. The best ones are usually the worst ones at knowing when it's time to go. Uh, Andy, you got to get a business going. I know you got your spider uh, fitness wear out there line. Remember that time you tried to get my wife and I to go to his uh, workout in L.A.? Uh, like it was like a, uh, yeah, it was, it was a decent proposal type setup. I'm like, why would you ask my wife to go? This is weird. Anyway, um, it's time. Okay? It's time. The sport has shown, your body has shown that we're done. And the UFC is so ignorant at times with making these kind of matchups that don't make sense. Why does Rashad Evans have to lose five times in a row to end his career? He's not a title threat. So unless you're putting him in there because of his name against other names, other old names, then it doesn't benefit a low to mid card fighter to get a win over you. It doesn't benefit them. And it doesn't benefit you to lose to them. It's stupid. We're going to have the same conversation about BJ Penn in a minute. So let's have it right now. Clay Guida got a sloppy, sweaty three-round decision over BJ Penn. The 40-year-old sets a UFC record with his seventh straight defeat. Um, No mention on the broadcast of his six-fight losing streak. No mention on the broadcast of the domestic violence charges and threatening and sexual charges lingering over this whole thing. Wow. Uh... If this was simply UFC just wanted to help a legend and give him a paycheck if he badly needs it, that's one thing, Brandon. Maybe it's a good thing here that BJ didn't straight up get knocked out and sent to hell like we all would have guessed coming in. He survived, but he certainly was gassy. Guida, the old guy, too, did not look good. This was about as sad as mixed martial arts gets. In fact, give me CM Punk Mike Jackson, too, before I see BJ Penn again in the cage. What are we doing? What the hell are we doing? Remember when it used to be if you lose three times in a row, you're fired by the UFC? And then if you're a name, they might let you do four or five, but they'll hurry up and give you a job or you can get a win back. What are we doing here? The loss one, two, three, seven, six, eight, not fool you into believing this guy's done? Do you want this guy to get CETE? What's going on? Was that Mike Bone who gave us that stat about BJ Penn and the fact that he now holds the record for most consecutive losses in UFC history with seven? Not only that, but he has more losses in the UFC than wins right now. He's 12 and 13. That stat was like, wow. I don't know if it was sadder than that Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, pay-per-view Golden Boy thing. Yeah, let's rank sadness. Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz 3 was the saddest MMA fight I've ever seen. Dot of 5,000 Kimbo was the second saddest. And all of CM Punk's career was the third saddest. But this is fighting for top three. Yeah, I I don't really have words for this because you you kept saying to me during the fight that you're like, dude, he's going out. Like, there's no way he's gonna survive this. And I kept trying to tell you, 
when the hell's the last time Clay Guida actually knocked somebody out? It's like he hasn't had power in a decade either, you know? So that's why I kind of just assumed once we got past the first round that this was just going to get really sad really fast because Clay gassed with his stupid, like, I'm always moving. I'm never, I'm, I'm perpetual motion type thing. Even in the interview, the guy was still moving. It's like somebody hit him with a tranquilizer gun, please. <laughs> it was, oh, God. I, I mean, look, this and match. The, and the fact that they put that on ESPN is like the first fight of the night on big TV for prelims. Like, how is that getting me excited about your card? Yeah. I mean, like, if I'm going to give the UFC any credit, it's that they did match him with a Guida, who, like you said, not a lot of power and old himself and is a name old, at least. And that's what we're saying. We're basically saying UFC, it's criminal to promote this guy. But if you have to put him in there in these Rich Franklin type old guy fights where it makes sense, you're like, oh, that's a creative matchup. I never thought of that old guy against that old guy. Yeah, man, that's a Bellator special. Let's do that. I guess this was closer to that, but the problem was we had seen enough of these Yair Rodriguez type fights leading up to it, where it's like, no, don't sacrifice this guy. And and, and wise, really, it's the last time I'll mention this, but with all the with the legal implications against BJ right now and the chaos in his personal life, and the fact that he just got submitted by Ryan Hall and had no pulse in that fight, what are you doing? What the hell are you doing? And the fact that Dana publicly is like, I don't want this guy to fight anymore. Dana, you're the boss, bro. They, like, Dana, you have the control. Last time I checked, you're the actual boss of this organization. You can make the rules. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. It's my way and no other way. End of story, you know? Yeah, I know. I know, Dana. So stop selling wolf tickets for BJ Penn fights. I don't want it anymore. Well, it's that coupled with the fact that BJ just outright refused to answer any questions about it this week, like his, his legal stuff. Face and the they had MMA Junkie pre-row questions, which in this business, you're told never to do. You don't do that for anybody. And MMA Junkie went ahead and did that, still trying to, like, get these answers. And they were all set to have that interview. And then all of a sudden, as soon as they got there, they were told by PR people, we're not – PJ is not going to give you an interview. It's like, dude, there's a reason that people want to talk to you about this stuff. Like, you have to at least comment, you know? That's 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 bad on UFC's part. That's where it's like, okay, BJ. We're giving you this payday. I don't care if you give canned answers. My lawyer advises me not to talk about it. Here's what I can say. But you got to face the music. That's bad, man. And look, it's not the first time UFC lives like this. They do that. It is what it is. But this it's, it's up to us to call them out in these moments and just say this is embarrassing to your organization. Thank you. That's it. Yep. My platform's over. Thank you. Uh, Jose. Move... Jose. 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 Uh, should Jose finish at 32? That's the question here. I thought this ultimately was a disappointing fight. Alexander Volkanovsky, who very well may be next in this division. We've said it. He's your guy. You retired Chad Mendes. He's really good. Fought a really smart fight here. Didn't care about the booing. Controlled the fight. Suffocated. Jose Aldo along the fence. Didn't get in the type of firefight situations that could get him hurt and caught with something. Won the fight in a somewhat boring manner. Not really mad at him, though. Whatever. Move the chains. He's he's closing in on a title shot. It's his time. Yeah, he did what he had to do. Jose didn't try to win the fight, though. I mean, ultimately, I don't feel like Aldo tried to win the fight. I felt like he was too much like, you know what? I'm Jose Aldo. Fight in my home country. I'm going to try to counter you with a big shot revisit my brawls against Max Holloway. I bang, brother. And he wasn't, there was no activity. There was questionable cardio for everything we rightfully praised him for 
in going in there and must-win fights against Jeremy Stevens and Hainato Moicano to remind you, Brandon, that the Jose Aldo juice still tastes good. It was a little bit sour this time. Didn't have elite-level uh, game plan, mindset, anything. See, this is where I'll just differ with you because I think Volkanovski took that away from him. I think he was just able to take away whatever game plan that Jose went in there with and just use it against him because he controlled that fight. No matter what you look at, after that first round, Jose landed a couple of good shots, but Volkanovski just kind of ate him. You know, he didn't feel phased at all. And I think once he went in and started to press and started to press him against the cage to control like with the clinch work, I think that's when Jose just realized I'm screwed. You know, I don't have an answer for this. I don't know what I can do anymore because this dude is just so strong that I can't get off the cage and get distance again to get my striking back. Yeah, and once he got hit with and once Jose Aldo got hit with the Jose Aldo like leg kick in that first round, I almost felt like that was the moment where he's like, Oh, all right. This is what happens on this level. I I, I used to be here. Uh, I don't know. It was there was there was something seemingly off about it. And, and you're probably right that Volkanovsky, from a technical standpoint, certainly shut down those angles, certainly was able to land big shots and dissuade him. Certainly shows you that caveman chin, chin a lot when he does get tagged. But big win for him that puts him on the doorstep of a title shot. He wants it in his native Australia when they go down there for that Oceanic Super Bowl later this year between Adesanya and Whitaker that they're planning. Does that mean he wants Max direct? Does Ortega have a fight? Where are we at at Featherweight? Well, there's this other guy in featherweight right now who won't stop talking about the fact that he thinks he deserves next shot at max. You know who I'm talking about? You mean Frankie Edgar? Frankie freaking Edgar won't stop saying that we booked this fight with Max twice, but had to pull. We had to whatever happened between them. One of they each pulled out once, I believe. And it's like, dude, okay, that's great. You booked the fight twice. You also got knocked the hell out by Brian Ortega by an uppercut that nobody could believe happened. So I'm sorry, but you do need to fight again before you fight for the title, if you ask me. Like, you're not jumping the line of these guys. I saw Ariel was getting yelled at by Mark Henry on last night because he was saying that Volkanovski's next fight should be for the title. And Mark Henry's like, we had this fight three times. This guy's definitely earned the right to fight here he should not jump the line and it's like dude what are you talking about jump the line Volkanovski's worked his way straight through the line so I'll tell you what if you're UFC though you you make this fight it's smarter it's it's pretty smart Brandon Edgar still draws there's still a trusted name value that Edgar's gonna fight hard and people like him and you kind of need to check where Max is at coming off of that Dustin loss Still the champion at featherweight after moving up for the interim title shot. But you kind of want to give him a touch. This is not a soft touch. This is not. This is not a soft touch. But it is like 37-year-old Frankie Edgar, who's been knocked out recently. So that's perfect matchmaking. It really is. And you say, hey, Volkov. Hey, Volkanovsky. Hey, Al. You're next, bro. So you think he should have to wait on the sidelines for that fight to take well, place first? You know what's really going to happen, Brandon. You do, do I have to tell you what's really going to happen, or do you know? I'm going to be so sad, though, if this happens, because I don't want either of them to lose. No, what's really going to happen is Al will then fight Brian Ortega in a co-main event for an interim title that doesn't need to be an interim title, just because that will raise it to five rounds and raise the intensity, and we'll get another 
attempt at making sex like they did in Atlanta. And it worked for Dana that night, you know? Well, I was say, I was assuming that that's the fight you were talking about, but I didn't think that you would go through the interim title route if that ends up being the case. I, just make that a co-main event, man. It does not need to be a five-round fight. They don't care about you, Brandon, okay? They're not going to listen to you, all right? Just yeah. just FYI on that. All right, let's keep rolling two through 237 here. Uh, so, Aldo, I don't think you should retire, Brandon, but let's get a fun send-off. It's not going to be for a title. You want to exit on your own terms. You want it to be in Brazil. Let's find him a legend, or let's just give him Conor McGregor and do good matchmaking. Probably won't, so whatever. We'll see what happens. We got more time to talk about that. Uh, your boy Tiago Alves took a welterweight loss to Loriano Staropoli. I'm, I wasn't moved. I don't care. I'm done with Tiago Alves. Your thoughts? Yep. Uh, Betch Cohea blew weight by a, by a good six <laughs> pounds. What was it? What was it officially? She came in at 141. Good God. And then was rewarded after a fight fell out on the main card by get, being given a pay-per-view opening spot against Irene Aldana. And boy, she got submitted. Armbar, third round. Um, I, I, I want to say something to the degree of, is, is Betch Cohea done? I mean, look, she's been done for a while. She's a she's kind of a, 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 a comic fighter now. Yes, she can bang, but she's 35 and... She's kind of a joke. Um, with that said, Brandon, I'm not really done with her. She's a fun B-side that you put in there against people, right? She is? Yeah, man. Remember against Holly Holmes? She's talking all this trash, and then she gets head kicked knocked out. She's, <laughs> you know, against Ronda, she basically sold that fight. By the way, I hashtag mean... never forget that Chael Sonnen on SportsCenter ahead of the Ronda rousey betch Cohea fight said Cohea is the most dangerous opponent Ronda has faced up to this point. Stop that crap. Thank you. Yeah, that was fun. Are you saying that Betch Cohea is basically TJ Jones at this point? Stop it. No, that's that's <laughs> different. That's, that's circus level. But on the <laughs> UFC level, she's like the perfect name opponent that you give somebody to headline UFC Slovenia. Am I right? Slovenia. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Slovakia. Sorry. Whatever you got. All right. Rolling on here. Two different countries. Um, Big Nog, dude. Wow. Sent to hell in a handbasket at 42 by light heavyweight Ryan Spann. You know how them Nogs roll their legends, but they will take L's as hard as humanly possible. They'll let their arms get broken. And when little Nog was in that, what was that, a choke attempt earlier? And he basically looked like his eyes rolled back in his head for a second. I thought he was out. Fights through it like a cyborg and then gets viciously cracked to end this fight. Wow. Hey, they they sacrificed his body for Ryan Spann. And now I want to see more Ryan Spann. You? I mean, I want to see more Ryan Spann, but I don't want to see Little Nog ever fight again. No, that was that was a predetermined notion, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. All right. Uh that's all I want to talk to you about UFC 237, all right? I know you want me to break down Worley Alves, Sergio Marais, but I'm not going to do it, all right? It was a fun fight. Marais takes a beating, though. Shout out to him on that one. All right, uh, before we get into some Bellator, how about we hear from our uh, our friends and sponsors? Let's do that right now. Yeah, all right. That's what I'm talking about. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. CBS Tonight, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale tonight, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And we're back. All right, Brandon, I want to hit up this Bellator 221 card that we saw over this past weekend, competing against the UFC, competing for our eyeballs the whole time from outside of Chicago, Rosemont, Illinois. Good Lord, did people get sent to hell on this card. It was fun. It was exciting. And it mattered in that main event. Patricio Pitbull, the featherweight champion, moving up to lightweight. We talked about the grudge match here against perpetual lightweight champion Michael Chandler. And in 61 seconds, Friere stops Chandler after knocking him down with a punch. Chandler covers up his head. It looked like we had one of those inexperienced referees. Don't have his name handy at the moment. I'm going to say it right now. It looked like a quick stoppage. Was Chandler doing anything? No. He was covering up his head. But he wasn't out, bro. I don't even think he was flash out. I think this was a straight-up bad stoppage. And now Patricio Friere joins Ryan Bader as the second simultaneous champ champ in Bellator history. And I think they also joined Joe Warren as the only men to hold titles in two different Bellator divisions. Your thoughts on the stoppage? See, I'm on the side where I thought he was pretty clearly out and not defending himself. Because when he's on the he was face down on the canvas after he got hit. And Pitbull's on top of him trying to land more shots. And you could see his hands were basically like like face down. Like he was not moving. And Patricio hit him with two or three shots to the head. And it's kind of like, okay, dude, like if at this point you got to start moving or you kind of know at this point that refs are going to try to stop the fight. So I was okay with the stoppage. It might have been a little bit early, but I didn't see any signs of, of Chandler getting up to move or defend. So I had no problem with Pitbull getting the win there. I don't know, dude. You got to think of a couple things here. It's not just a title fight. It's a champ champ potential fight. It's the main event. It's only a minute in. Michael Chandler has a history of going to hell and back in fights. He wasn't knocked cold. He was knocked down. Yes, he kind of turtled up and put his face down. I I just didn't see it. I didn't see the reason to stop it. Certainly, as soon as it was stopped, he leaped up. I just didn't see. I mean, there's times when guys are stopped and then the the referee calling it off and the change in sort of momentum in front of them wakes them up. And I get that. And they act like they were fine. I thought he was fine. It's hard to see somebody become a champ champ uh, in this type of handoff. It certainly wasn't Michael Chandler losing his title to Brent Primus on an ankle injury, which kind of had a wah, wah feel to it. But I, I don't know. It's a setup for a rematch. And I'd like to see it. I am impressed for two major reasons by Pitbull here. I didn't realize the size difference between these guys until they stood in the cage. I consider Michael Chandler a small lightweight. I consider him this, like, bulldozing spark plug who just comes in there and rips you apart. And Pitbull was, like, noticeably shorter and 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 in terms of reach as well. And obviously, he's coming up from featherweight, but 
against a guy like Chandler, I thought their size would equal up a little bit more. And for being that small, he was able to get inside. And Brando, how about this post-fight interview? You called him in our Slack channel the the uh, the Conor McGregor of Bellator now, and I thought you meant just because he's the champ champ. I watched that post-fight interview. I'd play it for you right now if it wasn't littered with F-words. But <laughs> in his broken English, he's basically like, I killed the man. I won. F him and F you. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, because everybody was starting to boo him because of the fight being over early and that he's Brazilian fighting an American in Illinois. And he was start he was doing the Conor McGregor stuff, like not the strut, but like he was doing the I'm the champ champ now, mother blanks, you know, like <laughs> it was weird. But also like the parallels to me of that fight with the TJ Cejudo fight were just really weird, right? Like over in an instant and over with somewhat of a flash knockout where you're questioning if the ref stopped it too early. Now, like you said, credit to Pitbull for pouncing and, and doing it and pulling off what was a pretty tough task in knocking out Michael Chandler to become a dual champion. But I hope that he gets the, the praise that he deserves for everything that he's done for that company. Because if you think of that, there were people saying that this was the fight to determine the greatest Bellator fighter of all time. And I don't think you can make an argument against Pitbull at this point with the amount of wins that he has on his resume and now beating like the other guy who's considered a top two all time. Yeah, this certainly the the idea of fighting for for the face of Bellator all time was interesting. So I've always sort of considered Eddie Alvarez, even even to this day, when I think of Bellator, I think of Eddie Alvarez. Maybe that's just me and my fandom, but I think he's blood and guts, the hardest soul in that. But I could argue with the idea that the winner of this was pushing really close and Chandler by resigning with them when he was when his deal was just up was basically like, look, I'm going to be Bellator for life. I thought that was a smart move. I think the way that this fight stopped and ended, though, it kind of is great for both of them because then you run it back. They get to be a main event again. There was controversy. There was action. You're guaranteed action. For all we know, this could go, this could be another, you know, one round Hellfest and somebody gets KO'd or it could be five rounds of Fury. It could be amazing. And you can really play up the idea even more than the media had that this is for Bellator King of the Mountain. And I think if Chandler wins, it would really sort of. At, double down on what his resume is. And that's, he's a guy who will be vulnerable at times. And he's so exciting and sometimes to his own detriment. But if you get him, he's probably going to come back and get you, you know, and he, and he can absorb losses at times and bounce back and win the title again. Can you imagine if he becomes a four-time lightweight champion? That, I mean, it'd be, it'd be wild. It'd be wild. You know, this ain't, this ain't Muhammad Ali level stuff, but it'd be wild. Yeah. I, I hope they run it back, but there's also the possibility that Patricio apparently said before the fight and then somewhat after that he might just lay down the belt. Like he might just win it and vacate it so that his brother can try to be the champion again and they could both be the champions oh, at the God, same time. Brothers. So, all right. Well, actually, if you do a uh, Patricky Chandler rematch eh, for the vacant title, I don't hate that either. Might make sense too. He sent yeah. Patricky to, to the dark depths of hell that time. Um, I wasn't really moved by AJ McKee's featherweight win over Pat Curran. You don't want to talk about that. I know you don't. What? Are, why are we skipping the main stuff here? Oh my god, I I, I looked right past that. <laughs> the fight that mattered the most on this card in terms, in a lot of ways, in terms of the fallout there from the welterweight Grand Prix. Holy crap, Douglas Lima. We mentioned, yeah, pro probably the most underrated fighter in the world certainly in this tournament heading in, was like your sleeper favorite. Like, unless... All right, here's what we're talking about at the beginning of this tournament. We're like, 
MVP very much could just turn into John Jones in front of her eyes and win this thing. Maybe even Ed Ruth is like light years better than we think at this point. Didn't turn out to be. But the other guy was certainly Douglas Lima. Wow. This was an interesting fight. Gets the second round knockout. 35 seconds in over MVP Michael Venom Page. I don't want to, it wasn't a lucky punch, but it, it felt ultimately like a lucky ending in some ways. MVP was taking chances. This wasn't the Paul Daly fight. Yes, it was a boring first round, but it was a first round where MVP was darting in and out and doing his freaky spider stuff. And uh, I was, I'm intrigued to see where this fight would have gone, Brandon. That's really what I'm saying. Had it not ended here, because MVP was, was rolling the dice. He was living on the edge. He got caught in the end here with a leg mm-hmm. sweep. Mixed with a perfect short shot. Perfect to turn his chin just enough to end it. No controversy, no nothing. He got knocked the hell out there, but I want to see where this would have gone. You thought that was a boring first round? Let me say it from this. Boring in terms of a lack of action, but I I sort of hedged that by telling you his movement and his daringness to jump in and out, it was dramatic. It left you sort of like something's going to happen here. I thought I, – I didn't – I completely disagree. I thought MVP looked great. He was landing strong on Lima to the point where you're like, he might do the damn thing, you know? See, I like, thought he did his best work early in round two when he put those two punches together. He did, but also like we we had questions about him coming in and defending as a wrestler, you know? Like we weren't sure what was going to happen if he got on his back. And in the first round, he showed you, don't worry about that. I can control this. All he had to do was get wrist control, and he can he kept Lima from doing anything. So I thought that was amazing to see that evolution a little bit from him and see, oh, he's not just a stand-up like flash striker, highlight reel dude. He was able to show you, hey, I can still do this. Just because the daily fight happened doesn't mean anything. Yeah, oh, and no, like he certainly s- flipped the script. It, it lacked action because they were feeling each other out. But I was down with, with – that's part of my intrigue of where this fight would have gone. You know, Would he have ended up on his back? What would have happened if we saw more theatrical exchanges? It, it was going somewhere. I thought that that second round, though, like you said, Lima was close to getting wobbled there. I thought he was close to ending up on his back with MVP trying to finish because that head kick landed pretty clean. And you saw him take a couple steps back like, OK, let me get myself together here. But when he when he swept the leg, Johnny like a uh, karate kid style and then just lands that vicious uppercut. Like who thinks about that when you're in a fight, you know, like who thinks that way to be able to say, all right, I'm going to take his leg. And then when he's down on a knee, I'm just going to uppercut him into oblivion. Like I, I love Douglas Lima. And my question to you is hopefully if he gets through this fight, this next fight and becomes the champion again, where would you leave him in the UFC rankings right now? Like, where would he fit in? Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. No sensei. Um, he's, dude, he's amazing. I, I'd put him right in the top five. I mean, look, right now, welterweight is sort of reloaded UFC. Now we want to see how it plays out. Woodley just lost. We got Maz Vidal. We got, I mean, we got, we got Askren. We, we're going to find out some answers here. And certainly Kamaru looks like a million bucks. But how would you not put him right there? I know he lost to Rory. I know he did. And I'd love to see a rematch. But he put Rory through five rounds of hell, and he really fought well. And I think he's a top five fighter in the world in his own division. And, yeah, this was a little fluky, but to put together the, the, the leg sweep with, with the knockout blow, I mean. 
get him a body bag. Indeed, yeah. I mean, like that. It was vicious, and it was weird. His body language afterwards. Now he's a reserve guy. I've interviewed him before, but there was no celebration. There was almost relief. I think he realized there. Look, I mean, there's mental stress when you're in there against MVP. The guy move. I mean, seriously, the movement he showed in that first round, Brandon. He expends a lot of energy. We know that, but he's constantly like a split second away from trying something crazy on you. So that's got to be a, a mountain of stress that you deal with. And he got him out of there. I don't think it's a damaging loss on MVP where you're like, oh, he's exposed or anything like that. I think the Paul Daly win exposed it more in a negative light than anything else. But certainly Lima, the favorite of the tournament. I mean, he's going to be this. This advances him to the to the finals, if I'm correct. On the other bracket, we've got what? We've got Neiman Gracie against Roy McDonald coming up in New York. If we get a Lima Rory final, hell yeah, bro. Yeah. And I think that's what we've been wanting the whole tournament. Like we wanted to get some fun matchups, but this was all kind of about building back towards Lima getting his rematch against Rory because he deserved it. He deserved to get another chance at that. And just to go back to that UFC point, Douglas is only 31. Just about everybody in that top five of the UFC right now, except for Colby, I think, is over 34 except for, I guess, Kamaru and Colby, but they're all kind of aging names, you know? And to me, Douglas, if UFC threw enough money at him, man, I would love to see those fights. I just think he would be, he would bring so much action to that division where you kind of need it, where you got a lot of wrestling based dudes. And then you add somebody like him into the mix. He's impressive looking too. I mean, I don't mean to harp on this type of stuff, but he's ripped and he came in heavily tanned too. I mean, he looks like a million bucks. He looks like a star. That's really the point of what I'm saying. He looks like he jumps off the screen at you. He's living his best life. He's in his absolute prime. Hey, I don't know his contract situation, but if he wins this tournament, it'd be interesting if there are knocks on the door from across the way. And we then find out how great he can be in in the second half of his career there though. But what a victory. Uh, Yeah. So AJ McKee happened. All right. He's a really good fighter. He is. We shouldn't we shouldn't disparage that, but it's just not fun to watch. Yeah, a solid unanimous decision over veteran Pat Curran. We move on. Uh it was Hager. It was Jack Swagger. It was the TJ Jones fight we mentioned off the top. Hager is rock hard. And give him credit. He, he looks like a million bucks in there as well. We have no idea how good he is through two fights, though. I mean, we have no idea. Yes, he's got that uh that collegiate wrestling background. In, I believe Oklahoma, and yes, he's like six seven. And look, it's a fun project for Bellator. He's in his late thirties, but he really came off like an a hole here at a time where T.J. Jones, the meat plant worker, came off as like charismatic everyman. That dude went for it on his entrance down the ramp with the with the dancing. <laughs> like he probably gassed himself on the way down. He knew this was his moment. I saw Scott Coker tweeting that like, "Hey, we'd love to give him another chance." He 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 was fun. I mean, you see a guy. He gets it. He's he's huge and fat, and he hits meat for a living. And and he just sort of like dressed at the press conference and weigh in, and he looks like a like a he walked out of the crowd right in on it. I mean, it's amazing. And we have a um, DM slide from at quality bloke. He calls himself Playboy Hey, big time listener of our boxing pod. He says, Brandon, who is in better fighting shape right now, BC or TJ Jones? Are you going to be mad at me if I think TJ Jones? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? PC, you've been on the road for like a month. You haven't been in a gym running or doing any that weight training. True. I'm assuming TJ's – at least TJ's hitting the meats in the he's in the freezer the like Rocky. He's hitting the meats, but he's 
He's a portly he's, gentleman. All right. He's also I, consuming the meats. I mean, I mean, I'm at a I'm at a weight two twenty four. I don't need to be at at six one and a half. But I'm going to get down <laughs> for this fight. But um, wow, how dare you? Um, look, I want to see more of TJ Jones comically. But what are we doing with Jake Hager here? Like, what's the end game? Is there anyone to match him with? I mean, he can't fight a Ryan Bader or Roy Nelson or Chet Congo. I, I don't. I'm, we're not seeing anything, Brandon, that lets you believe he's on that level. But are you okay with him playing the heel? He puts the choke on Jones. He, look, he instantly takes him down, punches from behind, tries to armbar, tries a couple bad submissions, gets him in the arm triangle, choke puts him away. Refuses to let go of the choke as that weird referee with the long uh, braids, Mike Beltron with the long beard braids, is banging on him. And then it's just full-on heel turn afterwards, ripping the crowd, saying, you're not in here with me, shut up, and saying, and do you buy this? His excuse when Big John McCarthy cornered him was that he thought the referee hitting him in the back was his opponent. Um, So that would mean you thought you felt your opponent tapping out, which you actually did feel. So... Like, here's the deal, Brandon. He's a pro wrestler, all right? He doesn't have a lot of charisma as a babyface wrestler. He's not going to have a lot of charisma as a guy to sell fights for Bellator. Maybe in his strategic mind, I can play the heel. I can do that. I can get you to boo me because I'm a part-timer and I'm not serious and I'm a pro wrestler. Maybe. I don't mind him being fake heel. It's happened before in in MMA. But I kind of do mind him being a jerk and taking some guy from a meat plant and choking him out extra long and then having no explanation afterwards for it. I mean, you think that's being a fake heel? I think he's just kind of a jerk, complete, like a, a complete jerk, you know? Like, I just think that's him. I don't think that was any of that was fake. I think that was him. TJ Jones said after the fight that he couldn't believe that he got inside that guy's head. Just think about that for a second. A guy at a meat plant in Oklahoma got into a pro wrestler slash all-American wrestler, his head. Like, wow. And that's why and that's why he thinks, TJ Jones said after that, he thinks that's why Hager held on long, is because he was mad that TJ Jones was getting all the shine for that fight and not Hager. That's interesting. And he was, by the way, getting more shine. So if he wants to keep doing this, please give him somebody with a damn pulse because, like, I I don't get it. It's... It's just dumb. It's dumb to keep doing these kind of events for him where he's not doing anything except getting a wrestling base, getting him to the ground, submitting him. Like there's not we're not like you said, we're not learning anything. You know, what like, I'd like I want to see him against somebody who can actually strike. So he reminds you a lot of Bobby Lashley, current WWE wrestler who fought in Bellator and fought the same way. Right. They always put him in there with fat white dudes from the Midwest, Brandon. And he took them down and he grossly ground and pounded them. Um. I don't know Bobby Lashley's WWE contract situation, but when I interviewed him during WrestleMania weekend, he wants to fight again. If you can get him in here against Jack Swagger, I'd, I'd pop for that. You? Who did you say? I'm sorry. Bobby Lashley? I mean, that would be at least, at least we know what they're doing at that point. It's not this like, hey, let's go find some random heavyweight who we can throw in there against against Hager and give him five grand to do it, you know? All right, Jake Hager, King Mo, tomorrow. Who wins? Oh, God. I don't think King Mo can win that fight. Stop I, it. Too... Get, get the hell off of this show. King Mo <laughs> taps that ass instantly. Come on. King Mo's not 6'9". Bro. 40. When he steps foot in that cage, they're going to pay the price. 
with nap time. All right? You may pay the price with nap time. I may be setting you up that you think you're coming in the cage to spar me and King Mo comes in back in there, all right? See, then that's just mean. Why would you do that? This isn't wrestling. <laughs> Don't disrespect him in his house, Brandon. In my home. This is my home right here. This is America Top Team. Don't you don't disrespect me in my home. All right. How dare you? Anyway, Hager's rock hard. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Bellator. Thank you very much this past weekend. Uh, it was fun. Look, I need Bellator to be fun in the end, okay? I care about 222. It's coming up June 14th at the Garden. We're getting Leota Machida, Chael Sonnen. We're getting Rory and Neiman Gracie. Darren, Darren Caldwell in that rematch with Horiguchi. Dylan Danis. Like, that's fun. They're even throwing Heather Hardy back on there. That's, that's kind of fun. Um, Look, I love that. It's fun. Make it more fun. Like, Brandon, I'm okay with them being who they are. Do you know who they are? They're a hot chick with tattoos and a sketchy past. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. I mean, that's what Bellator is. I'm okay with them being Bellator. Be who you are, all right? Give us the slop, but mix it in there with some old, some new. You know what I'm saying? Just don't give us more of these, like, this weekend from Thackerville, it's Julia Budd defending the women's featherweight title in the main event. No, I can't do that against Olga Rubin. I, I can't. July 12th, I can't be there. I'm sorry. I will not do that. <laughs> Won't do it. Anyway, that's it. Hey, let's get into some recent news. Let's, let's, let's do it quick and painful and painless. Let's do it. What do you got? Friday night, 6 p.m. News dump of the day. Tony Ferguson is back. Wow. Wow. This came out of nowhere, right? And he will be facing not Conor McGregor, not Justin Gaethje, as was reported that they offered him, but Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, this was very interesting that they went this direction for me. I guess it's the perfect fight for UFC and Tony if, if the UFC is saying, look, Tony. You're not in the title plans right now, bro. You fell out, all right? It is what it is. You got hurt at the wrong time. Then you did some bad stuff personally that you're fixing right now. And I'm really happy, by the way, that his wife is is seemingly trying to make amends there in, in for Tony's uh, – the things – look, the, whatever. You know where I'm going with that, all right? I'm not trying to slip into any puddles here. So this is kind of the perfect way to kill two birds with one stone. Keeps Tony busy and gives him something to do in a fight that he can and should win, in my opinion. And two, takes advantage of a hot Cowboy Cerrone and a marketable Cowboy Cerrone, a guy who had they wanted to, yes, could be headlining a pay-per-view against Conor right now if they want to. And certainly it shows you they don't. So you give him his chance at a title shot, essentially, Brandon, because if Cowboy Cerrone beats Tony Ferguson in this fight, good Lord, tell me the reason why he shouldn't be next in line for a title shot outside of the fact that, you know, Dustin Poirier is and he'll get that shot against Habib. So... Cowboy's probably not going to win this fight. He's turning it around, an obscene turnaround. I know for Cowboy, this will be his seventh fight in what, like six months? Did I have that right? Do I have that stat right? Or is it five? Is there some ridiculous stat here about Cowboy's act activity level right now? Turning it around, he just fought five intense rounds. Gets a breakthrough win. And how many days between cards is this going to be when he fights at UFC 238 in June in Chicago? 29. I mean, that's insane. It's also insane for a 35-year-old Donald Cerrone. I know it's sort of on brand. It's what he does. But, Brando, you can't look at this fight and be like, oh, well, you know, all right, cool. 
It's a pick em fight. I like it. Tony Ferguson's going to win this fight. It's just going to be violent and fun, and there's a lot at stake. I, oh man, I don't know. This I, I went back and forth when this got announced as to like who's going to win this and why because it's like Tony is a damn wild card. We know that. Like we never know what Tony we're getting. We just know he's going to show up and it's going to be violent. Cowboy has given us moments in the last two years where you're like, oh, he can still do the damn thing. And I, I don't know who wins this fight, honestly. Like that turnaround is scary as hell. But I, when I was doing my research, he did this before on even shorter notice. He has, he, but, but that, he wanted that... he won a decision fight against Miles Jury, and two weeks later beat Benson Henderson in a decision fight. He loves like, money. What? He's a company guy, loves money, but this is supposed to be changed cowboy who's angling for a title shot. Now, even within that category, though, this is cowboy angling for a title shot. You beat Tony Ferguson at this point, you're getting one, but. Brandon, that's uh, in about seven months. That'll be his fourth fight. Sorry, my, my math was off earlier. Four fights in seven months. Five rounds with Ally Aquinta? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. And my question becomes, like I said on the show last week, if he loses this fight, does he call it a career? Because he's not going to be close to a title shot anymore. He's not going to get the Conor McGregor fight that he wanted. And there's probably not a lot more business for him to, to get. I would I would fear that he's going to be a name that's going to linger and be a, and want to fight four to five times a year and only care about the pay, which is how he used to be before he before he became a dad. And he'll just sell his name and sell them losses and not care. I mean, he's Brandon, we could argue he's kind of done that the last five years to a certain degree. He's just sort of realizing now, like, oh, my God, I have like the most wins in every category for the UFC. Why don't I try to put a title on top of that? But I'm not here to crap on this fight. OK. It's going to be action-packed, and I think they were really smart. You have a pay-per-view here, UFC 238 on June 8th. That's got some fights I want to see, but is strongly lacking sex appeal. Strongly. Cejudo, Marlon Moraes for the flyweight title in the main event. I'm sorry, for the bantamweight title in the main event. We all want to see that, but it's not a sellable. It's not a big-time sellable fight. Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica I, I care about for the women's flyweight title. But, Brando, that fight isn't moving the needle either. There's, there's some fill-in fights that I really care about. I mean, it's a deep card. You got Tatiana Suarez, Nina Ansarov. You got Jimmy Rivera, Peter Yan. There's some things I want to see here. God, Aljamain Sterling, Pedro Munoz. There's a lot of things I want to see here. But, Brandon, you had Tony Ferguson, Donald Cerrone into this, and it's not even the main event or co-main event? That's going to be 15 minutes of fun-ass hell. Yeah, I... I mean, if we get 15 minutes of it, that's the thing. You never know with those two guys. I I think that it does help the number of people that are going to buy that pay-per-view now because those two are huge draws at this point. But I think that card was already kind of going to sell itself. You know, like I if they really believe in Cejudo and what his name value is at this point, being the gold medalist and coming off of two straight great wins, even though you still don't believe he won the first one. I think that, that that card would have sold, and I don't I don't know that this needed it. It it helps, like you said, but I don't know that it necessarily needed it. I would have loved to have seen this fight just added to 239 or 240. Like why like why rush this? Right, Brand, you said it doesn't need it. You gotta have names that sell it. I don't think Sohudo Marais is you? there. But 
hold on, but do well, you really? Like 237 had names, but they all suck. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I'd love to see the numbers. I don't think they're going to be strong for this past Saturday, but it is a new era. There's guaranteed money for UFC. It's a lot of pick and choose, play checkers with it. Last minute, put this guy here, put this guy here. But uh, love this fight, surprised by this fight, want to see this fight, even though I feel like I know how it's going to end. But obviously, man, what a story would be if Cowboy won this. What a friggin' story, Brandon. That's why we care. Okay, we care about the damn stories. Thank you. Let's go. Let's go. You ready for the next one? I'm fired up. So Saturday night, we're sitting there. We just got the Manny Pacquiao news. We're watching all these fights happen. And all of a sudden, uh, Mr. Nathan Diaz is back in our lives, taking on Anthony Pettis. Wow. Love this fight, Brandon. Love it. When is this fight? Uh, That is the 241 card. That's the August 17th where Stipe DC2 headlines. That's Anaheim, correct? Anaheim, yep. Yeah. Um. This is a great surprise, and, and, and we haven't seen Nate in three years, and we got that tease last year of him against Dustin Poirier in November at the Garden. Poirier got hurt. We never saw Nate again, and some part of me won't believe it till I see it that Nate is actually coming back, knowing the history between him and the, and the company, but you look at this card now, UFC 241, August 17th, DC Stipe 2, Yoel Romero, Paula Costa, and this fight, uh, yeah, must see, must have, must be there, must rub it on my gums, Brandon. Love this fight. Keeping Nate active is the best thing they can do. I mean, he, really, he's become the Rich Franklin of this era. He's at that point in his life and career, but he's bigger business than that. It's like he's the perfect pay-per-view B-side, coming off a win or a loss. In this case, they're not using him to sell the fight necessarily, the card, because they got DC Stipe too. But if he comes back here and he wins this, and you can argue that, I mean, look, the three-year three, three year layoff could mean anything. But he probably should win this. I know Pettis is kind of hot right now, but there's a great use of Pettis' brand in the short term when he's hot off that one-punch knockout against Stephen Thompson, and we're trying to believe that he can contend at this weight class at welterweight because apparently Nate refused to cut down to lightweight. It's really perfect because, Brando, you get Nate a win here, you can go anywhere with him. And even more important, you can use him from a standpoint of who around that weight class Deserves a title shot, but can't get one. So as a consolation prize, we'll give you Nate Diaz. I said at the time, this is as perfect of matchmaking as as I think UFC could do at this point. And the, everything you just laid out makes so much sense. I think this is as close to a toss-up fight as you can get at this point. From it. and it's And the fact that it's a celebrity fight, kind of, because it's not really going to tell us anything in terms of division like somebody coming up next for a title shot or anything, but it's just a great fight. And I kind of wish that they didn't stack this on the 241 card, which is already looks like it's going to be pretty loaded as it is. Like this fight could have served as its own main event. Like the fact that they had to talk, they probably had to talk Nate into taking a co-main again, probably didn't go over well. And it's probably going to be the reason that we don't actually (laughs) see this fight, but I'm glad that they're actually getting to the point where we're talking about, hey, Nate's going to fight again. You know, it's been three years. It'll be it will be three years since he last fought when he if this fight happens. That's crazy to me. It is. It really is. I feel like he keeps himself in good enough shape and is wired mentally just differently that. I'm not really afraid of what, what that three years can mean. Yet at the same time, even if he'd fought seven times already this year, I'd probably be afraid because. 
Look, the Diaz's go wild in big fights, all right? Like, sometimes they fall off the side of the earth out of nowhere. Like, you can expect anything at any point. And that's why we love them, and that's why we can't wait to see this one. I'm fired up. It's going to be fun. I I would love to be in California for that fight. Let's go. You and me. Let's do it, all right? There's another fight on that card that was verbally agreed to last week that we should mention before we get out of here. What do you got? Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero has been booked for the fourth time. Wow, I am so in. I mentioned that when I read the card. Yeah, I am so in. Give me that. Give me that. That card is... Look, you get three fights I really care about. I'm fired <laughs> up, all right? Because I'm always going to like some of the slop underneath on the lower card. I love me some women's uh, straw weights at any point, any matchup, any of them they deliver. Give me three fights I care. Brandon, we can't lie. This summer, this spring, potentially this fall, business picking up. Look, life is really good as a combat sports fan when UFC is delivering at the highest level, meaning the co-mains and the mains. And maybe this devolves into a larger conversation about interim titles and how much I hate them, but they do make fights that deliver. Every time you have pay-per-views to look forward to, where there's like, oh my God, like it, it just, life is good as a combat sports fan, man. All right. I'll deal with some of these in-between cards that I don't care about. I'll deal with them. Thank you. Yeah, like this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else in the news cycle here? Not really. Yeah, that's great work. Great work. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. All right. Let's get into this weekend's plans. It's all going to go down in the UFC in Rochester, New York, Brando. I couldn't find that on the map if you asked me to. Hey, speaking of that, well, you missed a couple of things here before we get out of this, before we get into this. Um, how are you not going to talk about the fact that Artem Lobov, Paulie Malignaggi, Bare Knuckle <laughs> Fighting Championship has been moved from New Hampshire, the proposed site, to Tampa, Florida, where it's not even legal yet, I don't think. Or you could argue that in South Florida, anything's legal. Or you can argue that Tampa is not South Florida. I don't care. Just tell me you'll be there. I will do my best to get there. But I, like you just said, I, I didn't even know it was legal here that you could do bare knuckle FC. Because I watched Dogfight the other day, that, uh, that Dada 5000 uh, documentary Billy thing. Corbin, yep. Where they kicked a bunch of – they like were doing fights bare knuckle and – it was unsanctioned, so it's like, how can you now do that sanctioned? I, it's weird. Money. So, you, money. That's how you can do it. You just pay yeah. people money. That's really much, pretty much how you can do it. Fire it up that you get a chance to go to this slop, all right? I hope you get sprayed. <laughs> that's what I hope. Okay. Oh, God. You <laughs> know, dude, what is DC doing? How do you not bring this up for me to talk about, too? Why does he feel like the trilogy with Jones has to be at 205? Why, DC? Why? Why did I not bring this up? Because I feel like we've talked about this kind of the way that we talked about McGregor at this point, where we're going to keep talking about this potential fight happening, but it's never going to actually happen. DC, have you looked in the mirror at all lately? You're thick, <laughs> bro. Okay. At heavyweight, you have certain advantages. Make uh, Maybe it's a leverage thing. Actually, of course it's a leverage thing, Brandon. Of course it is. Jones has probably said behind the scenes, I'll only fight him at 205, right? Maybe, maybe he also thinks that it's like a personal goal for him that he needs to overcome beating him at his peak at 205. I get the theory there, but stop. Just stop. All right. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's close it out this weekend. Rochester, New York. It is UFC fight night. It is a card you can watch this Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. By the way, I don't want to turn this into BC complains about everything. But I tried to buy a pay-per-view on ESPN+. Plus. 
I got charged twice because it wouldn't work on my Apple TV. So then I had to buy it on my laptop. Now I'm trying to fight with both iTunes and ESPN customer service to get it refunded. It's not working. It's not working, Brandon. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> that Thank sounds you. awful. It is awful. Thank you. That's just me personally. Okay. It's headlined this week by a welterweight fight. Look, I love this fight. I like this fight. Uh, is there anything between love and like? Like and a half? Liketh? I kind of really like this fight. It's going to be Rafael Dos Anjos, the former lightweight champion, facing former lightweight title contender, Kevin Lee, but it's at welterweight. Brandon, what's at stake here? Nothing. I don't think there's anything, really. What are we going to learn from this fight? Kevin Lee is like an above average to close to very good welterweight. Or sorry, lightweight, right? He was, yeah, he was a, a lightweight contender who people thought could take out Khabib. But he's killing himself to make weight. Right. So this is his first chance at showing people what he can do at welterweight. Meanwhile, RDA, who was formerly a lightweight champion, has already been at welterweight and has proven to us that he's probably not going to be able to compete on the elite level being taken to hell by a bunch of the top guys at welterweight now. I don't think that we're going to learn much from this other than if Kevin Lee wins, that's great. I'm hoping I hope he's happy with 170 and that that weight cut doesn't hurt him anymore. But I don't need him entering this picture already when we've already got plenty of killers at 170. Like we're I don't even know where you would fit him in if he wins this fight. He would have to crash the party, but I like this as an opportunity for him to show you. Can he have an RDA-like rebirth by moving up to a weight class that's probably physically better for him? I know he would be great at this mythical 165 weight class that we're never going to get, apparently. But Brando, look, this guy almost killed himself a couple times trying to cut weight, it seems. It worked for RDA. He found new life. Yes, RDA ultimately became sort of a Damian Maya type, which means... I'm an elite guy, but I'm going to lose at the very top level. So RDA, yeah, got the win over Robbie Lawler. Looked like a title contender. Back-to-back losses to Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman. For him, it's a chance to sort of tell us whether he's fully on the way out as an elite guy or whether he can linger now in his late 30s. Now he's, well, 34, not too late 30s. But I like more for what this can do for Kevin Lee because, Brandon, if he comes in at welterweight and looks fresh and explosive and looks in ways that he was held back at lightweight, he has the goods to be great at this sport. You know that deep in your heart. He does. And I hope that that's how this plays out because he needs that for himself after that loss. Like that loss to Iaquinta was surprising, but it was also a wake up call for him because he thought he could just walk through everybody. And it was pretty clear he didn't have that power at, at lightweight that he thought he did. So I hope for him that he's able to do that. And if RDA loses this fight badly too, please let that be the last time we have to see him on the elite level or main event level because he's just not there anymore, man. He's a shell of himself. I I agree with that. I was surprised that I saw 34 as the age and not like 37, but that's the truth of where we're at right now. In a lot of ways, this is a, a good test to find out in this division who's coming, who's going. I hope for Kevin Lee's sake that he can find out how great he can be. Uh, no more missing weight, no more staff infections when he fights for an interim title against Tony Ferguson. I want to see the best of Kevin Lee, and I think we have a chance here too, so let's see what happens here. I'm not that moved by the co-main event, but I don't hate it. Neil Magny, Vicente Luque. I think we're going to see some action here. Luque's up to like minus 500 on some uh, betting sites. I don't know that he's that much better than Neil Magny, but this should be a coming out party for Vicente Luque to show off his full skill set. He's going to be a problem, and I hope that He's able to showcase it this weekend. 
No doubt about that. He's definitely the riser of the two right here. And I'm happy that Ian Heinish, who's second UFC fight cat, uh, rescheduled after his opponent fell out, will be on this card. Middleweight bout against Antonio Carlos Jr. Heinish with that really amazing backstory, like we've talked about, of uh, going to jail in Europe for drug trafficking and working his way out. Dude's jacked. Dude's a jacked middleweight. I think that's like jail jacked. Like, I've got a couple years to kill, so I'm just going to make my like back, Jurassic back. He's got Jurassic back, all right? It's a good way to describe it. We also get Aspen Ladd after she got her fight with Holly Holm canceled against Soraya Eubanks. Ooh, at so. Bantamweight now. So so you, you're, Soraya Eubanks was, of course, supposed to fight for that strawweight title that time, right? Flyweight title, I think. Flyweight title, that's right. And uh, was unable to then make weight. Got yanked from the fight, if I believe correctly, right? <laughs> or no, she got this – was, this was at UFC in New York. She She still got a fight. I, I'm confused. I, it's late in the show. I'm sorry. But you know where I'm going with this, right? Montano got stripped. Wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I, you confused me. I thought you said Montana. No, no. All right. Thank you. Thank you for getting my back there. Um, I'm yeah. Sorry. Uh, the, and also the barista, Patrick Cummings, will be on this against Ed Herman. That's a loser leaves town match. I can't wait to check out that land heavyweight duel. Yikes. All right. Hey, remember that time the UFC reminded us that Pat Cummins once made DC cry in a wrestling room? And that was, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Great. Hey, thanks for uh, listening to our show this week. Fired up to bring you this type of audio. And um, that's it. All right. Follow us at State of Combat. Check out our other offerings this week. Brandon, can they follow you on the interwebs anywhere? At Brandon Wise 65 Yes. Get fired up. We're getting closer to our fight. Do, is there a, does it have to happen within this calendar year? Uh, yeah, we've been, we can't tease this for over a year. We ain't Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua here. All right. All right. So that's the only, that's the only thing It has to happen within this calendar year. Too bad. Cause I'll be coming down to South Florida in about a week's time. Too bad. I'm not ready, Brandon. All right. It's too <laughs> bad. Okay. Interesting timing that you chose not to be ready. <laughs> too for this. bad for you. Thank you. <laughs> that's it. Can't do any more. Won't do any more. We out.